God is bringing us out of a season, and that is awesome. And when I think about us being able to get together in that way, I was thinking about how we communicate and how we um, spend time together or are able to connect with each other because the way we can do that today was not always the way it was done. Uh, There was a time when uh, you had a landline, a phone in your house, and it was connected to a cord, and, and you'd pick up the phone whenever it rang, and you didn't know who was on the other end of the line. You just picked up the phone. Uh, one of the greatest inventions at that time was caller ID. So uh, now uh, we see a text, or we go on social media, or we see the person that's calling, but not so then. Um, depending on how you lived, it could have been a bill collector. It could have been someone you didn't want to speak to. But the phone rang, and you answered it. And I'm sure all of us have people in our lives that... Um, when we see them call or contact us, we look at it and just think to ourselves, this person never calls to just say hello. There's usually something attached. If they're calling, they want something. Um, so, the way that we're able to communicate now, uh, it's so much better that uh, we have options. But I have a question for you. When, you. when you talk to God, what is the conversation like? Um, unlike people, God wants you to bring your problems to him. Amen? But is that the only conversation that we're having with him? Um, do you sometimes just sit and, and talk to him? Uh, spend time just praising him? Spend time uh, just worshiping him? Or sit time thanking him? Just sitting and being quiet before him? There's a big difference in the way that we communicate to God than we communicate to other people because we have to make kind of a concerted effort to communicate to other people. We have to reach out to them. We have to be in the same space that they're in. We have to call them on the phone. Uh, But everything we do communicates something to God. And everything we do um, ties into our relationship with God. Because God is everywhere. We don't only communicate to him uh, in words, right? We can pray without making a sound and God hears us. And and even the things that we do uh, in action and in deed, is communicating something to God 
and revealing something about us in the way that we think of God and the kind of relationship we, we have with God. And, and that's an interesting thing because God is everywhere and he's always present and he knows everything. Uh, our communication to him is, is different than our communication to each other. Today, um, if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, the message is titled today, Through It All, We Are Moving On. Uh, in this chapter, we'll find uh, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, and he is reminding them of things that took place in the past and things that uh, they need to look at and we should look at in our interaction with God, the things that we do, what God has done, and how we respond to those things. So if you don't mind, uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to be reading from verses 1 through 13. And it reads this way. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, since they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ, as some of them did, and were destroyed by snakes. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the age have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, how your whole word um, is instruction. Um, it is giving us examples. It is showing us of the way we must go, the things we must avoid how to please you. It shows us who you are, Lord. 
So we ask this day, Father, that we would leave this place knowing you better, having a greater confidence in who you are, what you've done in our lives, and where you're bringing us to. Be glorified in your house, Lord, in each one of our hearts, Lord, and our minds, Lord, as we move forward in you. We want to be pleasing to you, and we want to know you. Grant us that this day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, as we've read those scriptures, one of the things that we recognize is God's deliverance and God's provision for his people. It says that they were under a cloud, um, and that cloud obviously gave them protection. When we, when we speak about being in the desert, one of the things that we know is that the sun uh, can kill you. Uh, we see that it is 90 degrees yesterday and it'll be 90 degrees outside today uh, with no cloud cover or with not having a lodge with AC in that we could go in and have coffee. If we had it outside today, there may be people that said, well, if we had it inside, I would stick around, but I'm leaving. One of the things that I like to, to watch is um, uh, a show that's called uh, Do You Think You Would Survive? Uh, and basically, to show you're in certain situations, and these are true stories of people finding themselves either kind of uh, in a shipwreck or uh, in a tropical place, and many times are uh, in a desert, and, and they get lost in what they need to do um, to survive. And we see in this instance that God had delivered his people and, and they had to go through uh, the desert. They had to go through the wilderness, but all the while different from what I watch on TV where they have to kind of figure out how they're going to make it. And obviously even that, God is the one who provides a way for this massive group of people. God gave them a cloud cover that not only... Uh, kept them and and not only did that cloud cover uh give them protection but it also gave them direction because one of the things that you know uh when you are in a situation like that is uh you have to figure out which way to go and god led them by a cloud in the daytime and and by a fire um at night uh it also went on to state that God brought them through the sea. Um, they were backed up against the Red Sea. An army was coming to kill them, and God provided a way out of no way. How many times in our lives have we seen God's protection, God's direction, and God make a way out of no way? It also said that God fed them in a way that was only supernatural. He provided manna for them, and they, when they got tired of manna, he gave them quail 
and he provided water. One of the things that uh, we need to sustain life is water. So especially when you are in a desert situation, water is what makes, the lack of water is what makes a desert a desert. So that is something that we need even over and above food. God provided it in a supernatural way. It says that, uh, that a rock followed them and that rock of provision was Christ. We see Christ here in the Old Testament. And the same way that Christ was their spiritual food there and their spiritual drink there, that same thing applies to us. So as we hear this story play out, we already know that they were in bondage for 400 years. And God delivered them with a mighty hand. And he brought them through a process. They went through the wilderness. They went through the desert. But all along, he provided for them. Our temptation. And what they were tempted with was to forget. To forget what God has done. And we often fall into the same thing. When we face a new situation, we have a temptation to forget. They were tempted to doubt. We do the same thing all the time. That new situation comes up and we doubt. Because we get absent-minded. We forget what God has brought us through. We are tempted to go our own way or to go another way other than what God prescribed. It says that these things happen to them, meaning those going through the desert, God's people, as an example, and they were written for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come. So here we see that this was written for the church in Corinth, but it's also written for us that are at the end of the age. And it says, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. One of the key principles here is recognizing being a recipient of God's kindness is no guarantee of avoiding his disciplining hand for our rebellion. These were God's people. God had delivered them and was bringing them through and providing for them as he was taking them through a process and they were tempted to quit, to fall back, to go their own way, to doubt. And because of these things, God's hand of discipline came upon them. And in the same way as God's children, when we are tempted to go our own way, when we are tempted to forget what God has done, we can find ourselves 
in the same situation. It says that God was not pleased with them, not pleased with his own children. One of the things that we recognize is disobedience and ungratefulness go hand in hand. We are often disobedient when we become ungrateful. We become ungrateful when we believe where we are, what we've come to, what we've doing, that we did it. That, that we produced it, that we got us here this far, or even if God did it, I don't necessarily like the way he did it or where I presently stand. So because of that, we become ungrateful. And as soon as we forget the hand that feeds us, the cloud that protects us, the direction that he's moving us in, we have a tendency to be disobedient and go our own way. And that is exactly what took place here. I read a quote about temptation. And often when we think about temptation, we think about something like salacious, you know, like things that are in our flesh that we do are in the dark that no one else can see. And yes, that is true. But temptations come in many different forms and is much more subtle than that. And this is what it says. It says temptation is around us every day. It doesn't usually lurk in the bushes for a surprise attack. Instead, it slowly befriends us, convincing us that we have nothing to fear. That's how temptation comes and is used in a powerful way. It just walks alongside of us. We get comfortable with us, with it, and we don't recognize it as an enemy. It went on to say, a wise individual prepares for those things that are inevitable in life. Temptation is one of those inevitable things. So, we always have to be on the lookout for temptation because temptation comes from the flesh, it comes from the world, and it comes from demonic activity and the devil himself. James chapter 1, starting at verse 13, says this, No one undergoes a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Temptation is always around us in many different forms. 
When Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth at this juncture, what he was speaking to them about um, were their freedoms and their liberties. Those things that we have in Christ that we still have to be careful with. He was speaking to them about specifically food, meat, that um, was offered to idols. And he was going through uh, this argument with them, letting them know, listen, idols are false gods. They have no power in themselves. They're not real. But the demonic activity behind idols is surely real. The church in Corinth were believers. But they were doing things in their freedoms and in their liberties that was putting them at jeopardy in their Christian life and walk. What they were doing was, um, it's one thing to go and say, the idol isn't real, I can buy this meat and eat it, and that's fine. It's another thing to sit down at a restaurant in the temple where idol worshiping is going on and eat a meal. And it's a total other thing to say, I have liberty to do this, and not think about other people around you that may be believers, that may be weaker than you, that that even causes them to stumble, or for a non-believer, it would weaken your witness. So obviously, we're not buying meat at a temple that was used to worship idols. But the principles behind our liberties and our freedoms and the temptations that they could cause for us in our own spiritual life for our weaker brothers and sisters and what it looks like to the world as we call ourselves Christians, God's representatives, little Christ, that have the Holy Spirit in us is a different matter. But when we speak about temptation, it comes in so many forms. Going back to the example that Paul used with Israel in the desert, he used a couple of things. He said that the people sat down and ate and drank and got up to party. The event that he was speaking about here was when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments and they were he was taking too long for them. So they said, Aaron, make us, not our drummer, make us a God. And a golden calf was made. And when we think about God providing the spiritual food, the spiritual drink, the gold that they walked away with from the Egyptians to then make an idol and say, this idol is what delivered us from Egypt. So they sat down and ate 
and drank God's provision and then got up and partied. What does that look like today? That God so provides for us. And we believe we've accomplished this ourselves. And we don't like where we're standing at this present moment. So we're going to go our own way. We're going to worship other things. We're going to concentrate our efforts, our focus, and our loyalties to other things outside of the one and true God that has delivered us. It's a great freedom to be provided for. And one of the things that you will recognize in places like this where we are rich, and when I mean we are rich, we're not worrying about whether we're going to eat today. We're not worrying about whether we have food on our table, clothes on our backs, a roof over our head, even us that are in our toughest times know that our children are going to eat tonight. That is not the case all over the world. So that luxury that is afforded us, just like they had, gives them idle time and kind of like options. One thing that you will realize is when you are in desperate need of provision, you kind of figure out who the provider is. When it's not so immediate is when it starts stretching out to other things, and that's what they were guilty of here. So it says that they sat down to eat and drink, and they got up to party. The second thing that they were guilty of was testing the Lord. It says in Numbers 21, this is where that story came from, starting in verse 4, then they sat out. Then they set out from Mount Hor by, by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and they bit them so that many Israelites died. Testing the Lord. Being impatient because of the journey. That's when we normally get into a situation where we test the Lord, when we're not satisfied with where we are in the midst of the journey. It is so indicative of life, even when we look at a story like this, because we can see in our lives how symbolically we've been through storms. We've been through Deserts. We've been through the wilderness, even in our present situation, even what we're coming out of. And all of those things lead to us to be tempted in a specific way. And, and you see that where not only will people, when they have provision, go off on their own, but when they are on a journey, 
when God is bringing them through a process that they tend to test God. And then the third thing that they spoke about here was grumbling. It was complaining. That's a big, big thing. Often, uh, my wife and I speak about things and she says, we need to do less talking and more praying. We are so prone to just kind of discuss situations, have these mental arguments in our minds, things that didn't even happen, right? Things that we assume about other people and situations and even toward God, where we are grumbling and complaining. This was a very specific situation where Korah incited a rebellion. And almost 1,500 people died because they questioned who God made the leader. They came to Moses with a group of people that they riled up. And they walked over to him and they said, we're tired of you and the direction that we're going in. And God doesn't only speak through you. And God dealt with that situation and killed that band of people that tried to go against Moses. The people were not satisfied with God's judgment and went to Moses and said, you killed those people. So then God had to kill some more of them. <laughs> that, that's, that is a rough situation. And you know how it started? From grumbling, from complaining, from not seeing God's hand in a situation. So all of these are temptations that we are all prone to. It may not look the same way. Your wilderness may be finances or broken relationships. Your wilderness may have been the season of COVID that we went through and getting uh, used to staying at church online and not being in community, recognizing the need for fellowship in the church. Your wilderness could be fear. We cannot allow our past to be a life sentence when it's called to be a life lesson. We have to let certain things go. And we are tempted in so many ways. We're tempted often to give up. After a great deliverance by God, we are called to finish what he set before us. We, we don't even have the option to give up. Give up and go where? Give up and do what? In what direction are you going to go in? We are tempted to forget God's great deliverance. If all they would have had to do was look back at what God had already done and where he brought them through to stay confident in the present situation 
that they were in. And we are guilty of that. Anytime when I am feeling down emotionally, spiritually, feel an attack coming on, don't like my current circumstances, my default position in yours must be too is, look what God has done. Look where he's brought me from. Look what he's done in my life. Remember, don't forget. And you know what that does? It allows me to have a confidence in not who I am, not in my circumstances, but in who I'm with. And knowing he's going to bring us all the way through. And that's one of the ways that we have to fight off when we are tempted in these things. We also have to be careful in exercising our freedoms. God has given us great freedoms. But like it says later on in this verse, when we, when we want to live where we're living on the line, we're going to cross over that line. When we're living for ourselves and we're not concerned with God's work, whether it be other brothers and sisters and how our freedoms are affecting them or how it's affecting the world, we find ourselves in a hard situation. But one of the things that is so glorious, even in these statements that we read, is that God gauges what we can bear. So all of these temptations that we spoke about, God has placed limits and parameters and an escape for us in every one of these situations. It says no temptation, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. One of the things that we tend to do is believe I'm the only one going through this. This scripture is letting us know that is not true. But God is faithful. We sang about his faithfulness earlier. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. A way of escape may not necessarily be relief from the whole situation. It may be endurance. But God has promised that he will supervise all temptations from the world, from the flesh, and from the devil. Particularly when I think about the temptation from the flesh means self-induced stuff. Things that like I could fight off because I have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even in those things, God is more faithful to us than we are to ourselves. He limits it according to our capacity to rely on him not to rely on ourselves. How do we guard against these temptations? We have to desire his way over ours. We have to hate what he hates. 
We have to walk by the spirit so we don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. We have to keep our mind stayed on him because we know our hearts are prone to wander. So the only way we're going to fight those things is in a closeness to him. And then you may ask, why does he even allow desert wilderness experiences? Because there's a cost in that. There's something that I'm going through. There's ways that I feel as I'm going through that. It's because of what it produces. And regardless of how we feel, God's reputation is more important than our preferences. The work he is doing in our lives is greater than our comforts. We so want comfort. In this process, he is taking us from slavery to freedom. So often we look at slavery as if it is only something physical. That is not where slavery is. Slavery is just not physical restrictions. The limits, the boundaries are stronger in our heart and in our mind. So where we need our freedom, where we need these liberties is what's going on on the inside. And as we go through those seasons, that's what God is providing. So when they went through the desert, they were already physically set free. But as you could see by the way they responded to situations, even his provision, that they still had to be set free here. They still had to come to the place where they could fully trust God and walk in the liberties that he provides. And when we come to that place is when Everything changes for us. Worship team, you can come up. It goes on to say in the verses following what we read that the cup of blessings that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break Is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. Since all of us share the one bread. We're going to get ready to take communion. And before we do and we sing a song We really need to think about in our own lives how we've allowed things, circumstances, people, what's going on in our own hearts and minds tempt us in so many ways. The subtleties of that and where that ends up leading to. Because God is gracious. He has shown us at certain times when we go off, the consequences are harsh. 
We look at these consequences here, they are harsh. But God has been so gracious to us. And he has equipped us that when these temptations come in our lives, that we would remember. Those things are increasing because we're at the end of this earth age. But everything we need, he has provided. And even the temptations that we face, even the ones that we inflict on ourselves, he's put limits to. He's given us a route of escape. He wants us to be totally sold out to him. And again, that disobedience, even to give in to those temptations, comes when we are ungrateful. When we don't remember who he is and what he's done. So let's take a couple of minutes to just reflect on the goodness of God. One of the reasons we take communion is so we'd remember the price paid. And like we just read, how we are one in the body of Christ because of his blood and because of his broken body. Let's take a few minutes, amen. Oh Lord, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you, Lord, that you said in your word that to do this so we would remember, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures today. You were there then, you were there from eternity past, you were there, the creation of the world, and you were there on that cross, Lord, paying a price for us. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you that you have risen from the grave, ascended into heaven, and is at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, God. You're looking at us right now, Lord, as we are partaking in what you have done, Father, to unite us, Lord, to bring us into relationship with our God. The word of God says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. goes on to say in the same way also he took the cup after supper and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's drink together Thank you, thank you, thank you, oh God. What we want to do now is 
spend a couple of minutes just praising and thanking God. I read a quote that said, it is rare the person who, when his cup frequently runs over, can give thanks to God instead of complaining about the limited size of his mug. Don't ever forget what God has done. We had a prayer meeting the other night, and it was about thanking God. And we started at, we need to thank God for our salvation. And I had a list of things that we were going to thank God for. We never got past thanking God for our salvation. It says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your heart and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't want any of us to rush out of here today. It's been a long time that we've had on these masks, It's been a long time that we've had peace even within what God is doing in us individually. And as we are on this journey, let's pause and remember to thank him, to praise him. Because everything that we do, every priority that we set, Every word that comes out of our mouths, every thought that we entertain in our mind, is communicating something to God, our relationship with God, and how we feel about God. And we are so often tempted to murmur, to test God, to forget, to eat and drink and get up and party. And not spending enough time thanking him and praising him. Today, I, I want to ask Pastor Angelo and the deacons to come up. Pastor Angelo, can you get the oil that's right there at the table? Um, let's just spend some time before the Lord. Why don't you come up and be prayed for? Why don't you come up? And thank God for what he has done. That he has even in our temptations set limits. That he has seen us through in this season. And he's bringing us to the other side. As we've gone through the wilderness and through the desert and our personal lives. So... Form a line in the middle, come and be prayed for, and let's spend time worshiping the Lord as we do that. Amen.